Hey y'all, welcome to another episode of Spinoff. We are finishing up Queen Charlotte, a Bridgerton story, and this time we're going to be covering part two, which is going to be the last three episodes of the series. Okay, let's get started. From where we left off, the king had just had his first manic episode, and so episode four picks up right after that happened. And I'm going to go pretty fast on episode four just because it is basically a breakdown of what happened in episodes one through three, but from the king's point of view. Okay, so here we go. Episode four is called Holding the King and we pick back up post George's breakdown. Charlotte's helping wash off her husband and Reynolds informs her that he hasn't been himself lately. Flash to a week before the wedding where George is informed that he is to marry and his bride is on the way. He starts twitching and spouting gibberish and his mother clears the room. George is seen next in a chair surrounded by doctors with all kinds of physical theories as to what's going on until one doctor speaks up that it might be in his head. He talks to George and and brings him back to himself. At the wedding, he feels another episode coming on and he tries to run just as Charlotte was trying to run too. The doctor calms him by giving him a swift smack across the face and this brought us to Charlotte and the wall. The wedding night after he left Charlotte and returned to the observatory because of his inability to perform. It would have been easier if she were dull and ugly, but he finds her beautiful and brilliant and it makes him feel like a troll in comparison. He's married as he was asked to do and now he will leave his new queen alone, safe and far away from him. He'll go back to his planets and stars. After Charlotte visits the observatory, he goes to the doctor and asks him to cure him by any means. He feels that George needs submission in order to be cured. Now, let me be clear. This doctor was simply torturing this man. He dunks him in ice water. He feeds him peasant meals like gruel looking stuff, strapped him to a chair and gags him. Like, I don't know what kind of doctoring this is, but it ain't the right kind. He puts leeches on him and burns him all the time, like with wax and fire pokers. Ugh, it's terrible. The doctor says that terror is the basis of his method and he'll be domesticated like wolves were domesticated into dogs and shows him the Pomeranian that he later gives to Charlotte. George goes to Buckingham House and watches her from afar because he's not ready to be with her just yet. So he and Reynolds steal her gesture from the lab. Growing tired of the torture, George decides to go work in the fields and this gets him motivated enough to have dinner with Charlotte. As George waits for her, he begins to tremor and Reynolds places a hand on his shoulder and grounds him, enough to come back to himself. After he agreed to move back to Buckingham House, the doctor tells him it's a bad idea. After the visit with his mother sets him off and he goes back to the doctor. He calms him and he tells him that he's no longer needed. The night of the ball, George runs into the doctor in the kitchen and he asks him why he's still here as he's no longer his patient because he fired him, you know? The doctor informs him that Charlotte is pregnant and we now know that was the thing that triggered this manic episode. The next morning, George wakes up alone and when he sees the writing on the wall, he also sees Charlotte's carriage leaving and yells for Reynolds to ready his own carriage. Charlotte goes to see George's mother and informs her of the changes that she's noticed as soon as the king arrived to Buckingham House. The sharp knife were replaced with dull ones and she just thought it was a coincidence but then she noticed that the windows on the upper floors were sealed shut and random locks started appearing all over and the nail in the coffin was when the library's copy of King Lear went missing. Now if you know the story of King Lear 
it's about a mad king. The princess insists that George isn't mad, he's just stressed from having the weight of a kingdom on his shoulders. George can hear Princess Augusta and Charlotte fighting about him from outside of the room. He hears Charlotte say that if she has to leave everything she's ever known for a man, it can't be one she doesn't know or one that she wasn't allowed to know. George walks away and back into the arms of the torturous doctor and the episode ends there. This episode was fun. Like we got to see George's side of why he bailed on his new wife so quickly. I feel like if we had saw George struggling even further into the past, I would have liked it. Like maybe seeing like a teenage George or an adolescent George dealing with his bipolar disorder because that's what we now know it to be as. It would have been interesting to see how he coped or how he got treatment back then, but we just didn't get any of that. We got it, I guess, when he probably felt like he needed it the most, maybe, which that's still, in my opinion, it doesn't really make sense that he's just now getting help for that type of disorder. But also we kind of got a lot of the previous episodes in this episode, the full on scenes. Like I'm like, we've seen this episode from the other angle. I get we're trying to see it from the different one, but it's still the same scene. We don't really need to see it twice. Episode five, I think is a bit better with a storyline that I didn't see coming. I'm starting about eight minutes in. Coral finds Lady Danbury up in the middle of the night and asks if there's anything else she needs. Lady Danbury mentions that the children aren't upset over the death of their father because it makes sense. He was a stranger to them. He only saw them a few times a month, maybe. She says she's drinking port wine. She hates it. Must not have been Taylor Port though. But it was Lord Danbury's favorite. She was promised to him when she was about three years old, meaning that she was raised to be his wife. She was taught to love all the things he loved and she never really thought about what it would be like when he was gone. She's unsure of how her life is because it's brand new all of a sudden. In the daytime, Queen Charlotte walks around the garden and she tells Brimsley that she wants to have the crops harvested and given to the poor. Brimsley then gets a message from a footman and he tells the queen that Princess Augusta has arrived. He says the royal physician has come with them. Charlotte has an exam to check her pregnancy, which is determined that she's quite far along. The princess says she'll have her things moved over to Buckingham House and she's moving in with them. She does not want to leave Charlotte alone for even a moment. By the way, this is the overbearing mother-in-law way, not the supportive grandma way. Afterwards, Charlotte writes a letter and seals it, then gives it to Brimsley. Brimsley delivers the letters to Reynolds and in attempting to deliver the letter to him, he hears the king crying out in pain. He knocks on the door and the doctor's assistant opens up. Reynolds says he has a letter from the queen to King George. The assistant tries to take it, but royal mail must be delivered personally. The assistant shuts the door. A second later, it opens again with a shivering George standing there. He tries to take the letter, but the doctor says he's not ready yet. And George tells Reynolds to put it with the others, meaning that she's been writing him dozens of letters and they're just piling up. Reynolds goes to the conservatory where he's been putting them in a bowl for him to read later. Reynolds goes to the conservatory where he adds the letters to the big pile. Coral informs Lady Danbury that she has a guest. She tries to refuse because she's in mourning. Coral tells her it's the families from their side and they have concerns. They offer their condolences but they also need to know what happens now. What do they become? They need to know if her son will inherit her late husband's estate and title. She never even thought to ask. She sets the precedent for them all now. And Coral asks, would it be so bad if she lost the title? Lady Danbury tells her that they've been giving a taste of equality and they don't want to lose it. She finds the name of the solicitor and she needs to send him a letter. Coral asks if the solicitor would even bother to come see her as she's a woman. So she just signs the letter as Danbury in hopes that he assumes that she's a man. Charlotte sits for her wedding 
portrait. She complains about sitting for so long, but the artist tells her that he's not even halfway done. He shows her the empty spot where the king is meant to be. Charlotte notices that her skin is too light and instructs him to paint her darker as it actually is. But Princess Augusta looks at it and says to paint it lighter as the king wants her to glow. After the painting, Charlotte writes another letter to King George and she hands it off to Brimsley. Carefully, he opens the letter and reads it. He tells Reynolds that there is no letter, but Reynolds says he can see it. Brimsley admits there is a letter, but it's not for the king. She's written it to her brother. She's requesting him to come and take her back to Germany. Brimsley asks if he should send it. He could fail to send it. Brimsley suggests that Reynolds could tell the king and the king could take action and come back to his queen. Reynolds informs him that there is nothing that can be done, so he should send the letter. Lady Danbury walks around her property and she finds an old shack and sits down next to it. Lord Ledger finds her and informs her that she's actually on his property, but only by a little as their lands touch. He's out walking also. He does it every day. He offers his condolences for Lord Danbury and she accepts kindly. She confides in him that she couldn't stay in bed anymore, so here she is. Lord Ledger says it'll make her feel better, but she should wear better shoes tomorrow so they can run their grounds together. Back in 1817, Charlotte is planning to follow through with her plans of marrying her sons off to protect her line. She introduces her boys to two young ladies and tells them that they'll be married next week. Obviously, they rebut over marrying strangers. Meanwhile, adult Violet is at an art gallery when Lady Danbury approaches. Violet is looking quite flustered over the subject matters. Y'all, essentially, Violet is getting hot and bothered over the naked people pictures. She likes to describe it as her garden being in bloom, and she describes it so eloquently, so I'll let her take over. It seems my garden is in bloom. It is the middle of winter. The ground is frozen. My husband and I had a garden, a luscious garden many varieties of flowers and when he died the garden died and i did not even think of the garden i did not want the garden but lately without warning the garden has begun to bloom the garden and i want things sunlight air touch Unfortunately, as a widow and a woman of her time, it was embarrassing to share such things, so she scares away. Back in the past, it's the next day, and Lady Danbury and Violet's father, Lord Ledger, meet up to go on their first walk together, this time with Agatha in proper shoes. The pair speak about nature while on their walk, and then we get a mini montage of them walking through fields. Then we jump back to the future, where Charlotte's boys are refusing her order to get married over a technicality. Technically, her oldest son, George, is the only one who can order them to be married as he's the acting regent because of their father's incapacitation. The brothers claim that George is upset that his mother didn't consult him first and think that they won the conversation. But that's an easy problem for a queen to solve. She simply asks her son to be a good boy and approve their marriages and he does so right there on the spot. Once again, we jump to the past timeline. Sorry, this episode has a lot of jumps in it. And Charlotte's brother arrives to Buckingham House from Germany after she called for him. Charlotte reveals her pregnancy to him and demands that he takes her back home to Germany. He refuses because at this moment, her body is not her own and her leaving would be seen as treason as she's carrying the future leader of the country. He comes to a realization that something may be wrong and makes sure George isn't abusing her. When she assures him that there's nothing of the sort happening, he's relieved because he he still needs the protection of his country by the British. When Charlotte realizes that there's nothing that can be done for her, she tries to move on from the subject and we move on to another scene. 
Lady Danbury is speaking with Lord Ledger and talking about all of the pressures that are now upon her to figure out if her side of the tongue would be able to keep their titles in the next generation. And in a moment of vulnerability, they each lean in for a kiss. But Lord Ledger pulls away and quickly departs. Back at her house, she finally meets the solicitor that she wrote and he informs her that officially her husband's title doesn't pass to the son. So all the lands and properties can revert back to the crown, leaving her lady nothing. He then also tells her that she's basically going broke because Lord Danbury pretty much lied about his wealth especially with his new title because he's trying to keep up with the Joneses and started spending all the money left and right. At dinner with Charlotte, her brother, and the Dowager Princess, George's mother tells Charlotte that for right now, her job is done and she's free until they need another heir. Then there's this beautiful, subtle scene where Charlotte is visually upset from the events of the day. She's walking down the hall with Brimsley, five paces behind as always, and she pauses for a moment to let the tears flow. And behind her, Brimsley extends his hand as if he's placing it on her back for comfort. Almost like magic, Charlotte's face changes and she wipes her tears away. I love this little scene because it shows the bonds these two have had, or at least Brimsley's had a bond with her. He cares for her emotional well-being, but is still bound by his duty to serve her. Brimsley Brimsley and Reynolds have a secret meeting about Charlotte's mental health and Brimsley desperately begs for Reynolds to see her doctor. The very same doctor who's been torturing the king nonstop, by the way. Reynolds firmly tells him no because he knows his methods and doesn't want to reveal them to Brimsley. Reynolds goes back to Reynolds goes back to Q and demands to see the king. He storms into a literal torture chamber and sees George getting dunked into a bucket of water over and over again. He tries to stop them, but is literally thrown out of the room. In the future, Lady Danbury and Violet go to an art zoo again, but this time no one is there. It's nighttime and they let him in after clothes. Lady Danbury talks of how all of them, including the queen have gardens, but hers never bloomed until after her husband passed. This conversation is basically Lady Danbury's way of telling Violet it's okay to move on. Back in the past, Lady Danbury decides to do something about her future. She has the nanny ready her four-year-old son Dominic as they're going to visit the Dowager Princess. On the way, she apologizes to him for him not knowing her, but he must do his duty now as the man of the family and impress the Dowager Princess. On their visit, she meets him and is not permitted to call him Lord Danbury. She thanks them for their visit and they leave, but not before Agatha reminds her son of who he is and how that makes him special. Lord Ledger is seen crafting as young Violet looks on. He's making a birthday hat for his friend who's been sad lately. Now, remember that part, y'all. Agatha and little Lord Danbury arrive back home to find that Queen Charlotte is unexpectedly there. She says that she is there to offer her condolences, but she's really there to talk to her friend. Charlotte wants to stay with her because she feels that she has no home. This sends Charlotte's brother into a tizzy as he accuses Brimsley of losing her and Brimsley puts him in check. Charlotte tells Agatha that she feels that she's the only person that she can trust as she's her only friend. And Lady Danbury tells her that as of right now she's only been her subject and suggests that they start over so that they may begin their true friendship and charlotte feels comfortable enough to leave in the future it is the wedding day of charlotte's sons one of them confides in her that he's afraid when she asks of what he says that he may not be able to love her she then says one of the most beautiful yet heartbreaking things in response love is not a thing one is able or not able to do based on some magic some chemistry that's for plays love is determination Love is a choice one makes. You take someone in marriage and you choose to love them. You do not give yourself any other option because marriage is difficult, full of pains, and the life of a royal is lonely. So you grab someone and you hang on. 
You love and you love hard because if you do not, you are lost. I feel like this is one of the first glimpses we get of young Charlotte coming through older Charlotte. I feel like they've been pretty separate characters until this moment. As young Charlotte arrives back to Buckingham House, her brother attempts to lecture her. She signals to Brimsley while telling her brother that she's off to be the Queen of England. Meanwhile, as Lady Danbury is dressed to go for a walk, a knock at the door happens and it's Lord Ledger with his birthday hat that he made for her in hand. He doesn't actually know when her birthday is, but wants her to feel special about it anyway. After some sensual flirting, she invites him in, and in the middle, we see older Lady Danbury searching for something. I'm assuming it's the birthday hat that he made for her all those years ago. Charlotte arrives to Q and demands to see the king. I love this part because it's Charlotte showing a little bit of her power. When the doctor denies her entry, she expresses that she is the queen and can do whatever she wants. And Reynolds can finally get the king some help. He sends her to the king's location because he knows that some change is about to come. Charlotte walks in on George being burned by a fire poker and demands that they untie him immediately. He stumbles into her arms and she clears the room. She attempts to bring him back down by reminding him of who he is and who she is. The thing that brings him back though is when she places his hand on her belly to feel the baby kick and he comes back to her. The doctor tries to justify his actions to the queen and she interrupts him with this. And I literally love her for this. She says, I care not for his sanity. I care for his happiness. I care for his soul. Let him be mad if mad is what he needs. And then she has the doctor removed from the grounds. She then tells Brimsley to have her things packed because they are moving to queue. Let me just say this real quick. I guarantee you within the next year, we're going to see some part of that speech in somebody's wedding vows. It won't be mine, but somebody, I fully believe in that because these are two people that haven't said out loud that they love each other, yet she's willing to be with him while he's literally going insane and only cares for his happiness. And that is just, that's love right there, y'all. Back at Lady Danbury's, we see her and Lord Ledger getting it on. Under the scene is yet another Beyonce song, but this time it's Run the World. Now we know how significant music is in shows like this. As this moment is happening to Lady Danbury, this is her first time that she's ever been intimate with a man that she actually likes. And quite literally in doing that, she's taking her life back. And in the scene, we see this, and I don't even know how to clean this up. Uh, she's on the bottom and she's looking at the same ceiling that she stared at during all of those horrible times with Lord Danbury. It takes her out of the moment and it starts to ruin it for her. During the bridge of the song, she switches positions and literally it's a turning point for her. This is the first time we've ever seen her express joy in the bedroom and the episode ends on that high note. The final episode of the season opens up with the Dowager Princess meeting with the doctor. He snitched to her about him no longer being the king's doctor and obviously putting the blame on Queen Charlotte. We make yet another time jump into the future and it's spring so Lady Danbury asks Violet to go on a walk with her because what else do noble women do for fun? Violet tells Lady Danbury that she is thinking about starting a new relationship but only thinking for right now. Lady Danbury is very happy for her friend. Violet feels that her standards are really high because she had such a great love with her husband Edmund and doesn't expect another. Now remember when I told you to keep that birthday hat in mind? This is why. Lady Danbury leaves the room for a moment and Violet begins to look around the room and she's looking at all the tchotchkes around and then she sees a birthday hat that her father made when she was a young girl. Basically now Violet knows that her dad and Lady Danbury were involved somehow. The queen and her many children gather for a portrait as she berates them once again for not producing any more heirs. Her kids are very sensitive about this, especially her oldest George, because you know, 
his daughter died, right? And she just can't give them a break, which like I told you, I completely understand why they're literally running out of time. She storms out of the portrait and the children follow, leaving the royal painter to use his imagination. Kind of like how he did with Charlotte and George that one time. Back in the past, Charlotte is checking on George while he's having dinner and he starts to tell her that he's displeased that she came and rescued him and orders her to go back to Buckingham House. She refuses over and over again and then we get this viral moment that I quite literally can't run away from. It's on my TikTok, it's on my Facebook, it's on my Twitter. I literally cannot get away so I'll let you hear it for yourself because it's yeah it's that good. I will stand with you between the heavens and the earth. I will tell you where you are. Do you love me? I love you! From the, from the moment I saw you trying to go over the wall. I have loved you desperately. I cannot breathe when you are not near. I love you, Charlotte. My heart calls your name. Yeah, I've watched dozens of TikToks with that sound, and every single time, it still hits. This is literally the first time they confess their love for each other. And it's interesting to me because for him, it's his biggest fear. And for her, it's confirmation of what she's always felt. Lady Danbury goes on her daily walk and runs into Lord Ledger like normal. But this time he's with Violet and she thanks him for being kind to her during her mourning period. And it felt like this was a forever goodbye. We time hop again and the Queen's eldest children come as a representation for their siblings about this whole baby thing. Princess Elizabeth says that what she's doing to them is cruel. Prince George's daughter is dead and she hasn't shown them an ounce of kindness. They've worked so hard to provide her an heir and she expresses that she's had many miscarriages trying to do that. Queen Charlotte says she didn't know that she'd lost babies and Princess Elizabeth tells her that they all have. Prince George says that she doesn't know them. She's never even bothered to get to know them. Charlotte says she just wants what's best for them as their mother. And Prince George firmly tells her that she has never been a mother. Charlotte thinks she's done her best for them. And Prince George says that she's always been their queen, but she's never been their mother. And I find it interesting that Charlotte turned out to be such a terrible mother to her children. But when you look at it from the past, she never really spoke any interest of being a mother, like at all. She talked to her belly and everything, but it was never with love. It was with duty, which is such a reoccurring theme in the show. Love versus duty. Like, what exactly is the reason Charlotte emotionally abandoned her children? My theory is that she was likely occupied with trying to keep George together, that she just simply didn't have enough emotional capacity for anyone else. Lady Danbury has a meeting with the Dowager Princess, and she tries to get her to acknowledge her son as heir again. But she says only the king can decide what will happen to the lines now. The princess has the audacity to ask for tea on Charlotte in the same breath. Queen Charlotte tells Princess Augusta that King George isn't receiving visitors at this time after she shows up at Kew. Augusta says that she suspects the king is being held against his will, and Charlotte informs her that the king does not wish to receive visitors at the time. The princess tells her that for a king, the moment he's born, there is no hiding. There is no room for weakness or illness. She's done everything she can to secure George's power, and Charlotte is ruining it. She can't let him hide. She has to get him to try because he has a country to rule. George must face Parliament. The government is starting to get suspicious of his health. It's on Charlotte now to get him to the speech. After their conversation, she informs George of this and convinces him to do it. 
In the future, Queen Charlotte rants about her children and saying that they couldn't have asked for a better life. And she was a great mother. She tries to get Brimsley to affirm her statement, but he simply can't. What he can say, though, is that she's a great queen. But just like everyone else, she serves the king. They care for him above all. Charlotte says that it's untrue because Brimsley cares for her. And he says that he'll continue to do so until his final days. Charlotte, almost as if seeing him as a person for the first time, asks him if he has any family or if he's ever been married. He tells her no. He could never find someone who was free to spend a lifetime with him. He's there with her. I find this whole exchange incredibly interesting because it seems that this Charlotte we see in the past and the Charlotte we see in the present had a very little growth. Like the Charlotte we see in the past is a 17-year-old girl who can't see outside of herself very much and can be just dense and unaware. And it seems like older Queen Charlotte is very much so unaware of herself as well. Like I understand she's the queen and all, but she's just now acknowledging the lack of love in Brimsley's life even though he's been there probably for 40 something years at this point by her side like there's always time for growth and self-realization but it seems like it's happening later on in life for Charlotte and her kids are the catalyst of it after Charlotte and George move back to Buckingham House Lady Danbury comes for a visit Charlotte says she's missed her company and Lady Danbury shares that she's been very busy tending to the estate since her husband's passing Charlotte asks if there's anything she can do and Lady Danbury pauses and says that spending time with a friend is all she needs. I do find it incredibly sad that Agatha's world is literally falling apart around her and she's literally speaking to one of the most powerful people in the country and still finds it inconvenient to ask someone that she calls a friend for help. It makes me wonder if she actually sees Charlotte as her friend or if she feels that she is Charlotte's friend only. Charlotte tells Agatha that she asked the royal doctor about childbirth and he said that it would be quick and painless but she wants to know the truth from her friend. Lady Danbury tells her the truth about how it's the worst pain imaginable. A nervous Charlotte asks if she's serious and Lady Danbury pivots and lies and says it only hurts a little and she'll hardly remember it when it's over and Charlotte's relieved. In the future on Violet and Lady Danbury's walk, Violet asks Lady Danbury about her garden not blooming until after her husband died. Lady Danbury avoids the question and asks if she wants to marry again and Violet responds with a she hasn't really thought that far into it yet. It would be a huge change for her, but she likes her life as it is now. Violet tries to get back to her questioning methods and asks if there was anyone after Lord Danbury and if she wanted to marry again or take a lover. Lady Danbury says that she wanted to feel alive. She's lived a life and she's loved and been loved and that's all she'll say. Now Violet wants to know more because they're friends. Lady Danbury asks if she ever told her about the queen's brother and Violet is surprised which Lady Danbury says it's because she's discreet. This takes us to the past where the queen's brother asks if he can start to court her and Agatha thinks that she's solved her title problem. Charlotte finds George working on his address to parliament and watches him for a little bit. He feels that it needs to be brilliant. She reads it and says it actually is brilliant but Charlotte feels like he's overworking himself so she offers him in a distraction. He says he doesn't need a distraction just to keep working on a speech because it's important. Then all of a sudden Charlotte clenches her belly and the baby is coming. George tries to enter the room while Charlotte is giving birth but the archbishop stops him. He is to wait outside with the rest of the men. Inside they can hear Charlotte's painful groans and Lady Danbury comes out and says Charlotte is asking for King George. George threatens the archbishop's job as he moves aside and 
lets George enter. George holds Charlotte's hand and she asks him to stay. The royal doctor tells him that the baby is breached feet first. George asks Lady Danbury her opinion and someone who's given birth before. Lady Danbury says she's losing a lot of blood, but the royal doctor says that it's normal. George is trying to comfort Charlotte by telling her that she's strong and everything will be okay. In the midst of her agony, he tells her about his favorite horse as a boy was breached. He also has seen it in sheep and calves and all other kinds of farm animals and that there are ways to help. He insists that the royal doctor prepare them. Then he helps move Queen Charlotte to the edge of the bed and their baby is born healthy. King George shows off his newborn son and Adolphus, the queen's brother, says the baby is magnificent and asks how his sister is doing. George tells him that she's taking a well-deserved rest and George's mother asks if he's healthy and if there are any signs of you know, what George has. King George says that he's their next king, so he's perfection, and Augusta agrees. I think this little scene is brief, but very important, because George's entire life, his mother's tried to fix his illness and repair him, but George doesn't see his son as something in need of repair. He sees him as perfect no matter what, and I think this was supposed to be a blatant dig at his mom because of how his life went. King George prepares to speak at Parliament officially. He asks where Queen Charlotte is, she comes in and says that she was with the baby and they have plenty of time. His hands tremor as he's holding the speech. He goes off to give a speech and the queen tells Brimsley that he's going to be brilliant. King George's hands shake even more as he rises to parliament and he lies down on the floor of his carriage. And when they arrive, Reynolds is unable to open the carriage as it's locked from the inside as George cowers. When they're back, Reynolds tells the queen that the king never even made it out of his carriage. Queen Charlotte asks what he did because when he left, he was fine. Reynolds angrily says that he was not fine and that there was merely hope. I think that this event occurring kind of shows us why Charlotte is possibly distant with her children because she was off tending to the baby and George was on the verge of a breakdown and she didn't see it. She promised that she'd be there for him and protect him and she couldn't because of the baby. And I feel like that's probably what did it for the future. I also think this is another moment of Charlotte not being aware of things going on around her and being only enamored with herself. She was too busy encouraging George to see him fully. Charlotte goes into the room to see George and he's hiding under the bed and he apologizes. She asks if he can come out and he says he wants to but he can't because the heavens can't find him under there. Charlotte tells him that everything is okay but he doesn't believe it. She crawls under the bed with him and he tells her what happened. She says he'll do better next time but he says there is no better because there is no cure. This is who he is and he gives her permission to leave him if she desires. She says she won't go, despite only having half a husband, according to him. He feels that he can't give her a full marriage. She tells him that if what they have is half, then they will make it the best half. She loves him and that's enough. As long as she is his queen, she'll never leave his side. He's the king and together they are whole. He's sorry he didn't tell her about his mental illness when they met. She tells him that he did. He said he was just George and that's all he needs to be. Buckingham House is being readied for a ball in celebration of the new royal baby. George looks at the wedding portrait of he and Charlotte, and she joins him all dressed for the ball. He's in awe of her beauty. He shakes as he reaches out to touch her, and she takes his hand 
and comforts him. She asks if he's ready and he says yes. Reynolds announces the king and queen and they move to the dance floor and begin dancing together. She tells him to keep his eyes on her and it's just them. The crowd watches as they dance and at the end of the dance, they kiss. Now, obviously, I can't end this dance scene without mentioning the song played behind it. It's Scissors, Nobody Gets Me which is literally the perfect song for this scene. Like I couldn't picture another on top of it because in every step, Charlotte has tried to understand him. And this ball is quite literally made for him to be at his most comfortable. Now I did steal this from some TikToks, but you can see in the background, there's all these astronomy themed things happening. Her dress even has constellations on it. Everything there is to make Farmer George feel safe because she gets him. And after the dance, King George thanks everyone for coming to celebrate the birth of their baby. And they announce that he will be named George IV and they toast to their future king. Adolphus finds Lady Danbury, who is hiding away from the crowd, as he also dislikes crowd. He'd like to be happy for himself as well, alluding to marriage. She asks him what their life would look like if she went back to Germany with him. He says he would rule, but she'd have duty as well. She'll have to learn the language, and it's good that she's young so she can have more children. He'll raise the Danbury children as his own, of course, but he must have an heir or more. Lady Danbury tells him no. She can't marry him. She says that she can't marry him because she can't marry anyone. He's a wonderful man and he could have rescued her, but she never wants to be married again. She spent her life breathing someone else's air and she doesn't know any other way. She needs to learn how to breathe on her own. He tells her that she's making a mistake and she tells him that she might be making a terrible mistake, but it's hers to make. She hopes he'll forgive her. Princess Augusta tells Queen Charlotte that she's thrown a lovely ball, and Queen Charlotte says that she's loved hosting and will do it more often. The princess says that she's only ever wanted George to be happy, and that Charlotte makes him happy, and she thanks her for that before leaving. George comes up behind Queen Charlotte and suggests that they dance, and once again, it's another amazing song choice. And during the dance, the camera pulls to the edge of the party grounds, and we see Reynolds and Brimsley secretly dancing together, and in a quick flash to the future, we see Brimsley doing the same dance in his older age but this time he's dancing alone and I know a lot of people felt like this moment meant that Reynolds was dead because we hadn't seen an older version of him Shauna herself confirmed that he wasn't dead and some cast members said that they filmed some scenes with Reynolds but they were cut Charlotte's son Prince Edward and his new wife Princess Victoria come to her and tell her that they produced an heir Charlotte hugs her son and tells him that they did well Princess Victoria thinks it's going to be a girl and Queen Charlotte says a girl girl is wonderful. A strong queen is what the country needs. She thanks them. And we all know that the baby that they had was the longest reigning British monarch, Queen Victoria. That is until Queen Elizabeth II, of course. Lady Danbury is preparing to leave the ball and Queen Charlotte comes up to her as she's getting in her carriage and calls her out for refusing her brother's proposal. She then tells him that he's a good man with a pure heart and someone in her position could do much worse. Lady Danbury apologizes and Queen Charlotte says that Adolphus will survive. She is more worried about what's going to happen to Agatha. She's upset that Lady Danbury didn't come to her with her fears about her inheritance and title. Lady Danbury tells her that she didn't want to put any burdens on top of the queens. Queen Charlotte proclaims that they are one crown. Her weight is the king's and the king's is hers. And they rule for the welfare of all their subjects, new and old. 
She suggests that the next time Lady Danbury comes to them directly with her concerns of titles of the new members of the ton, doing otherwise suggests they aren't capable of dressing them. With a smirk, Queen Charlotte dismisses her and says she'll send for her soon. George tries to get Queen Charlotte to have a drink with him, but she refuses because she has a feeling she's pregnant again. She holds his hand to her belly. It's him and her and them. We make a jump to the future for the last time and Lady Danbury is just arrived to Violet's house to hang out. Violet, however, has all of her birthday hats out from all the past years. She shows her the ones her father made and hands one to her. When she hands it back, they exchange a look and the two have a conversation in expressions only. The look seemingly confirms Violet's suspicion that Lady Danbury was in love with her father and Violet being understanding about it. Queen Charlotte goes to see King George as she has wonderful news she wants to share with him. George, though, is having another episode and is writing on the wall. Charlotte gets on her knees and crawls under the bed and calls for Farmer George to join her and hide from the heavens with her. Almost in an instant, George comes back to himself under the bed. She tells him of the news of Edward's baby and he's excited. She tells him that his line will live on and he takes her hand and he says, our line, and he thanks her. The two share a kiss and George says, you did not go over the wall and the series ends. This final scene is so significant to me because we've only ever seen older George in a manic state and we've never seen him and Charlotte alone. I like that this scene shows that even after all the years of his struggles, she can still bring him back to himself even just for a little while because out of all the people in the world, she knows him best because to her, he's just George and that ends our spinoff of Queen Charlotte. Thank you guys for listening. Um, be sure to check into next Thursday as we are going to be starting Snowfall. Um, so be on the lookout for that. Go like the social media pages, please. We have a brand new Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. So go hop on those. Also, I want to give a shout out to our YouTube listeners. I've been checking the numbers over there and you guys are tuning in a little bit more over there. So hello, uh, join the conversation. Hit us up on any of the social media send me a show to add to the wheel all that jazz but thank you guys i'll see you guys i'll talk to you thursday bye